0: Turn with me to 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter 1, 13. Scripture tells us, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Uh, many of us could give testimony to the fact that God answers prayer. Sometimes, though, We come to God, we hear God uh, answer our prayers, and then other times we may find that God does not willingly answer our prayers because we're not listening to what He's already told us to do in His Word. Uh, The Scripture teaches us that if we're willing to seek God with all our hearts, we'll find Him. And uh, the Scripture today is is going to, to tell us, about how to live in victory in times of suffering uh, we can't go through times of suffering and victory without God without his presence to sustain us uh, without his grace and so God supplies that grace as we listen to him as we follow his word and uh, Paul is, uh, excuse me Peter is addressing this group of believers and he is telling them look I know you're going through a time of suffering, There's great salvation that has been provided for you, and I want you to fix your eyes on this hope that you've been given. I want you to obey the truth that you know to obey. I want you to seek the face of God, and in the midst of your suffering and your trial and your difficulty, God can bring victory to you, Um, and so uh, we need to suffer as God would have us to suffer uh, by following what he has told us to do. And this will be the path of victory for us. Uh, The title of my message is Choosing God's Victory. Choosing God's Victory. And look with me in verse 13. It says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the the desires or lusts of your former ignorance, but as the one who has called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, You are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time of living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God who was raised who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for, for each other from a pure heart love one another constantly uh, because you know uh, because you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of god for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the, the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Choosing God's victory. What should we choose? What things specifically should we choose, as he sh- shares with us in this chapter? First of all, we need to choose God's warfare. God's warfare. Uh, I only found one commentary that mentions this in association with warfare. But I'm going to preach it this way anyway because I believe it's right. Uh, The scripture elsewhere in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 says taking the helmet of the hope of salvation. Hope in scripture is tied to spiritual warfare. So we need to embrace... God's warfare by choosing to hope in Christ. Uh, verse 13 says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, or um, literally with your loins girded up, is what the original says. It's an idea you could do that for different kinds of activity, but soldiers would do this in battle. They would gird up their loins and they were preparing for battle. So it's preparing for battle. Hope completely. On the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, you could also take this as two parts in the original. You could take it as hoping completely on the grace brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. There are two things you're hoping in. I think in in warfare spiritually, hope is a confident expectation that God is going to do what He said He would do. God has promised us that his grace will be sufficient for us each day that we live. And so as we are confident in that, listen, you may be struggling today. You may be suffering today. You may be trying to find the energy just to make it through. But can I tell you, based on the truth of God's word, you can have confident expectation that God's grace will always be enough for you. And yes, there's greater grace that's coming one day when Jesus returns then we will have the perfect realization of our relationship with God. But he says the, the revelation of Jesus Christ as well, so we're hoping in that future coming of Jesus. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the hope uh, of salvation. It talks about the helmet of salvation. Uh, I mentioned 1 Thessalonians 5 earlier. Two places in the New Testament associate hope with warfare. So we put our hope confidently that Jesus is coming. Can I tell you, that that can give you encouragement to get you through. Uh, at any moment, whatever you're going through, at any moment, Jesus could come. In just one instant, everything would change. We talked this morning about uh, Joseph in Sunday school. And um, we talked about the fact that in just one day, he was brought from a prison To the presence of Pharaoh and made the second in command over the whole land of Egypt. That may seem remarkable. That may just kind of be hard to even fathom. But can I tell you the change that's coming for Christians is even greater. In one instant, everything will change. He could come at any moment. He could come before this service. Oh, Lord, come. I'm ready. Uh, Interrupt my message, please. Uh, That would be great. Uh, Jesus is coming. Whatever you're going through, Jesus is coming. Keep your eyes fixed on your hope, and it will give you strength in the battle. Uh, Oftentimes, soldiers will will, uh, take a picture of their spouse with them into battle so that they have hope that once this battle's over, I can go be with my loved one. and Perhaps they're fighting for their loved one as well. But that gives them hope in the midst of the battle. One day, Jesus is coming. That gives us hope for the battle. One day, the battle will be over. By the way, Jesus has already won the victory. This is just the the interim period until Jesus finally puts the devil in the lake of fire forever. Jesus is coming. So if you want to choose God's victory, you've got to choose this attitude of hope. What does the enemy want us to do? He wants us to wallow in discouragement, to grumble and complain, to always have our glass half empty. Listen, I'm going to tell you, as as God's child, that is inconsistent with who you are. Over and over again, you see the Israelites in the wilderness. What do they do when they have a problem? They grumble and complain. Over and over again. I mean, it's so predictable. Every single time, they grumble and complain. And finally, after after so many times, God says, look, uh, ten times I have tested you, and ten times you've tested me. Don't test the Lord through grumbling and complaining. Through always having your glass half empty. Put your hope in Jesus. Jesus is coming. His grace will be enough. Go to God in prayer with your difficulties and your burdens. Call unto him. He'll answer you and show you great and mighty things. Listen, by the way, the great and mighty things, he can do a a lot of great and mighty things in this world, and he has done. He's answered some great prayers over the years uh, through this church, uh, in my personal life. But can I tell you the greatest thing God can ever do for you is usher you into his presence. I'm not talking about heaven. That's going to be great. I'm talking about here. God can usher you into His presence. He can provide a grace for you. Uh, a uh, David said, "The Lord is my strong tower." He said, "When I draw aside with God, I, it's as though I am in this tower and I'm safe from everything." My whole perspective changes because I've been with the Lord. Uh, Peter and John, when they were they were uh, scourged or not scourged, but beaten and then uh, put in prison overnight to. Uh, The Bible says, as they appeared before the Sanhedrin, they took note of these men that they had been with Jesus. Can I tell you something? When you're with Christ, he can give you the strength to press on. Choosing God's victory, what do we need to choose? First of all, choose God's warfare. Secondly, choose God's obedience. By the way, this gets the most ink of any of these things I'm going to talk about. Verse 14 says, as obedient Children, do not be conformed to the desires or lusts of your former ignorance. In other words, as a Christian, you you are uh, supposed to be different. Now, we're saved by grace. Salvation's a gift, right? We repent of our sin. We put our trust in Jesus. Salvation is given to us as a gift. But God didn't save you to sit on your blessed assurance. He saved you to obey him and fulfill his purpose for your life. And so, obedience is critical. Uh, he talks to them about being holy. He said, "Why do, being holy means to be set apart, to be different, to be distinct." And then he says, "If you call as father, let me just read this verse. It's an important verse. Um, look at verse seventeen. If you appeal to the father, who judges impartially, according to each one's work, or you could say according to each work." You are to conduct yourselves in reverence or in fear. Fear is better, is the translation there, during your time living as strangers. It's not that you're paralyzed in fear, but you recognize that God will discipline you when you sin against him. God is not a pushover. He's not a grandfather in a rocking chair that will let everything pass. God is a sovereign Lord of history. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He loves you, but he will discipline you. He'll discipline you because he loves you. So obedience. We have have, uh, all different kinds of areas of obedience that we need to, to consider. What about my speech? How I talk? Am I using filthy language? The Bible says let no filthy language come out of your mouth. What about my heart and my attitude? I've already mentioned the Israelites in the wilderness that's the example of what not to do. Uh, Paul and Silas would be at the other side of the equation when they're in the jail and they've been beaten for preaching the gospel. And they're having a worship service. They're getting all excited and praising God. And, 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 and they have joy in the midst of the circumstance. And they're praising God despite what's going on in their life. Well, that's, that's a, an obedience of attitude. Uh, putting our trust in God. Not that you always have to have a smile on your face or, or act like you're happy when you're not. Uh, But the idea is by faith to say, Lord, if if I'm struggling with my attitude, here's where I'm at. Uh, Change my heart. Fill me with your spirit and quicken me so that I can trust you in this circumstance. Sometimes there's an obedience in the area of something God has told me to do that I'm unwilling to do. How about forgive one another? I've had some people tell me, well, I can't forgive. Oh, yes, you can. God said you can (laughs) You have the Holy Spirit of God living within your heart. You have a supernatural helper who can help you make that decision and forgive. You say, well, you don't know what's been done to me. Well, I don't have to know. But can I tell you, I I had a lady in my first church who was struggling with forgiveness. and I gave her a book and I prayed for her and and talked with her about it and so forth. A couple years later, she sent me a letter saying, God has given me the grace to forgive my husband's killer. Her husband was a businessman, and, and he had gone in late one evening and was kind of finishing things up and, and put, putting money into a safe. And these, these two individuals broke into his building and killed him and took his money. And it had remained unsolved for years. And, and so, uh, but, but God gave her the grace. And shortly after that, those two men were, were found. They had never found the two men who killed her husband. And they were, they were uh, uh, put in, into prison. But uh, I want to tell you something. God is able to forgive. Who, who has had the most done toward him? God. Think about all the sins toward God that he, he has experienced. All the times people have taken his name in vain. All the times people have ignored him. I, I mean, it, there are too many to even or conceive of. And yet he chooses to forgive through Jesus Christ. So we're called to the same thing. Or it may be what we call a sin of commission, something that we do that is displeasing to God. There could be a lot of things that would fall into to this. Uh, being unkind would be one thing that you know, we, probably many of us have failed, failed with. We need to confess that and repent of it. But one of the things I've noticed uh, pretty often in our culture is sexual sin. Uh The Bible teaches that all sex outside the marriage relationship between a man and a woman is sin against God, that's what the Bible teaches. And yet most people in our culture today think nothing of sex before marriage, they think nothing of living together with somebody that's not their spouse, Uh, they think nothing Oftentimes, of even committing adultery with different people while they're married. They think nothing of a homosexual lifestyle. Matter of fact, that is actually celebrated in many places. But the Bible calls it sin. If you want to experience God's grace on the level that He he wants you to experience it, you must repent of your sin. The Bible says... If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It's not that God doesn't know what you say, but God will refuse to answer your prayers. You'll not have the joy. Many, many wonder, well, why is the joy of God gone in my life? I had so much joy when I saved you. Now it's gone. But they're living in sin. That's the reason. That's the reason. And so confess that to God. now. All us, all of us have sinned. Praise God if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. After you confess, you need to genuinely repent of your sin. But let me let me let you in on a little secret. God's not an idiot. You said, "Well, I knew that preacher. I didn't have to come to church to learn that." Okay. Sometimes we think maybe maybe subconsciously in our minds or something we think if we just confess a sin, we don't really repent of it. God's not going to consider it. Oh, yes, he will. He knows you perfectly. He searches your heart and your mind. He knows you better than you know yourself. And if your heart is unrepentant, God will discipline you. So be obedient. By the way, when you make that choice to be obedient, here's the amazing thing about it. God can take your simple act of obedience In the midst of sin. Joseph. I've been talking about Joseph in Sunday school, he's on my mind. But Joseph was obedient to God. Potiphar's wife came to him and said, Sleep with me, Joseph. He said, You know, hey, my master's trusted me with all these things, put everything under my control. He said, How could I possibly do this great evil and sin against God? And ultimately, day after, day after day, she's after him. Finally, she catches him when they're in the house alone. He's a servant there. He just has to be in the house working. She catches him in the house alone, grabs a hold of his garment, and, and he just, she says, sleep with me. And he just takes off, leaves the garment in her hand, rushes to the outside. Of course, you know the story. She falsely accuses him. He's thrown into prison. But the prison... Is the doorway to God's plan for his life. See, Joseph honored God with obedience. And at at first, it didn't seem like God was doing very much for him, right? He went from being a slave to being a slave in a prison. But God honors those who honor him. And through his obedience, Joseph ultimately ended up fulfilling the purpose of God. Many people's lives were saved. I, lo- I love the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts, and God just gives him a simple command: Philip, go over there and stand by that chariot. He can say, "God, what a that's that sounds like a kind of a an unusual thing. Why would you tell me to do that? Why why do I need to go stand over there by that chariot?" No, he didn't do that. He just simply obeyed God, right? And when he got by the chariot, he hears the man reading the Book of Isaiah. And the man turns over to him and says, who's the prophet talking about? Himself or somebody else? Talk about an invitation. And so Philip gets up into the chariot with him and leads the man to Christ. One simple act of obedience. Listen, this is the God that we serve. We had a a fellow come to our church, uh, Sumner Wimp, I believe it was his name. Come came to to our uh, chapel service. I'm sorry, chapel service when I was in college, and uh, he was an evangelist. He was sharing with us about having a track rack. He said every shirt you have should have a pocket in it so you can put tracks in it so you can tell people about Jesus. That's what he told us. But he also told us this: he was going through heart trouble. He's in the hospital, and rather than having a pity party and grumbling and complaining like we talked about before. He kept his eyes on Jesus, and he looked for those opportunities to share Christ. He led five people to Christ in the hospital when he was laid in hospital bed. Listen, I want to tell you, the power of simple obedience to God, what God will do through your life. Listen, you may be going through trial, you may be going through hardship, but when you choose to obey God, you release the power of heaven into your situation obedience is the vehicle that God chooses to use. None of us are perfect, but the Bible says this. This is a promise of God. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. Ask God to give you a hungering and thirsting heart for righteousness. It will release the victory of God in your life. So choosing God's victory, first of all, choose His warfare, Choose God's obedience. Thirdly, choose God's love. Choose God's love. Look at verse 22. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly. I like the translation fervently a little better. I think it's a little bit more uh, uh, clear. There's a progression in this. Uh... He says, you've been born born again. You've been born into a spiritual family. So your love needs to bear this character. Um, You have a physical family, right? You love that physical family with that human love that you have. Hopefully, you invite God into that as well. You're loving with a supernatural love in your family. But we've been given a supernatural family, an eternal family. If you know Christ, you're part of the eternal family of God. You've been adopted into his very family. And so it it requires a different kind of love, a a fervent love, a supernatural love that goes beyond normal human love. That's why people from all different kinds of backgrounds and socioeconomic classes and so forth uh, can find commonality in Christ because we have been adopted into his kingdom and we love Christ and we share that in common. He says, uh, I want you to have this love. And we choose this love. This is not something you just fall into. We talk about, quote, quote, falling in love in our culture. Well, you may fall into love in terms of being attracted to somebody. But you don't fall into God's kind of love. You choose it. Because God's kind of love is something that is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I remember uh, God convicted me. I, I resented. I had a boss when I was working at Hardee's and not in this state. Okay, so in case you know anybody at Hardee's. Uh, but um, I, I was kind of resentful at it because I felt like I, have you ever felt like you were being used in your workplace? Like people just taking advantage of you? That's kind of how I felt. Every time I saw that guy, resentment. Uh-oh. And finally... God in my quiet time told me, "You have a bad attitude." You need to do. And so I said, "Okay, Lord, I'll, <laughs> you're going to have to help me with this one." But I began I, I, when, when he'd walk in, and I'd start to feel that feeling coming up again. I'd say, "Lord, give me grace to love him," and God did. And I would, you know, be courteous to him and say something to him. And, God changed our relationship. And we became friends. Uh, and and, and there have been plenty of times I've failed to love people as I should. Just so you know, I'm not trying to build myself up or anything. That was one of the, one of the times that, that God, God did something good because I let him do it. And so praise, praise God for that. But, uh, but it is supernatural. It's not something we do just naturally. Choose to love other people. Choose to love those who don't love you. Choose to love those who are lost. Choose to love those who rub you the wrong way. Because it just may be that God will use you to reach that person for Jesus Christ. Um, Especially within the body of Christ, we're to choose this love. Well, what if somebody does something sinful? Am I supposed to love them? Yes. By the way, do you think God's big enough to take care of problems? Amen. He is. I don't have to get all bent out of shape if somebody does the wrong thing. I can trust God with it. I can choose now. Maybe I need to rebuke them in love. Okay. Maybe I need to follow Matthew 18 in certain cases and go to them and, and talk to them about it. But but the fact remains, God doesn't ultimately need my help. God can take care of things. He's God. So that frees me to be able to say, okay, yes, I'll be obedient. If God, uh, if a person's in sin, I need to go to that person, I'll be obedient. But ultimately, this doesn't rest with me. This rests in the hands of my almighty God who is able to take care of it. And it frees me to be able to love people even when they're doing the wrong thing. I remember, uh, and I have to confess, I didn't always love this man the way I should. Uh, but a man in a previous church, he, he was doing some things that were just really, really bad for our church. And I talked to him about it. And He said, I'm not going to change. Nothing you can do about it. And he kind of grinned. not like we want to punch somebody in the nose when they, you know, and that's the way it was. And, and you know, and uh, I remember I was just thinking, good night, you know, what am I going to do with this? And God had to remind me, Roger, I got this. And God did have it. I'm not going to go into it, but God took care of it. Listen, God's big enough. Choose in your heart and your mind that you're going to love people the way God has called you to love them. And leave the results with God. This will bring you to another level of victory. Listen, anybody can act like the world. A lot, a lot of times churches do that, don't they? they? They fight with each other. They're, You know, uh, the gossip lines get started and they're, you know, well, could you hear what so-and-so did and, you know, all these things. And, and we acted just like the world. But what a remarkable thing when God comes among us the and there's a supernatural, unexplainable love despite what takes place. Jesus said, they will know you're Christians by your love. Listen, that sets us apart. You want people to recognize Christ in us? Choose to love people. It will release God's victory in your life. Finally, not only should we choose God's warfare, God's obedience, God's love. We need to choose God's power. I love this. All flesh is like grass. That means you, that means me. All flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. When a flower is cut off, it ultimately withers. It doesn't take very long either, does it? I remember uh, I I actually got my wife some flowers one time, and they must have cut them really fresh because those things lasted over a week. I never had that happen before. But ultimately they withered. Just one week. That's the way you and I are. Not a whole lot of power. When I run the, the uh lawnmower or or my son runs the lawnmower, uh, the grass never wins the battle. It's chopped down. It's weak. But can I tell you something? Though We are like grass in many ways. The power of God's word is so amazing. Jeremiah said, the word of God is like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. Walls can be broken down. Deception can be overcome. The deception of the enemy through the power of God's word. The word of God converts the soul. It helps people genuinely repent. The word of God brings wisdom and guidance to our lives. The word of God brings light to your eyes. It brightens your eyes. Uh, I've got a, I like tools and things like that. I went out, I got me a multi-tool. I think that's a testosterone thing. I don't know. But I just love it. I mean, it's got all these different tools in it. And you can do all these different things with it. And uh, my wife's like, why do you need another tool? But I love that multi-tool. It can do all these things. That's like the word of God. Listen, I've just mentioned a few things. I was going through uh, Psalm 119. If you want to see all the things the Word of God can do, read Psalm 119. It'll take you a while. But <clears throat> it's like that multitude. tool There's all kinds of things God's Word can do in your life if you'll be in the Word of God. Amen. By the way, that's why you need to come to church as well. One reason, Many reasons you need to come to church, but one reason is to hear the Word of God uh, so that you can grow. And uh, God can minister to you through his word. His word can encourage you. His word can rebuke you. One of the greatest things that could ever happen sometimes is to receive rebuke. Um, Let that power loose in your life. Plug it up. Plug it up. You ever been trying to get something to work and didn't plug it up? Plug it up. (laughs) Plug in the power. Be in God's word. See what God will do with your life. He'll release his victory through your life. So choosing God's victory, choose his warfare, his obedience, his love, and his power. And he'll release his victory through your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing victory that there is in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that though we're imperfect, though we sin sometimes, that uh, your grace and your mercy is new every morning. Thank you, Lord, that when we call upon you and when we follow your direction, you can do some great and mighty things in our lives. Father, I pray that your people will respond to you in the way you want them to respond right now. If there's a sin that needs to be repented of, if they come and do so here at the altar. If they need prayer, perhaps, uh, to love somebody that's unlovely or whatever it may be, help them respond to you. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know